Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming. Hello. Hello. I'm I'm going to be off next week, which you guys probably won't feel. We'll probably have no gap, but yeah. I'm going to be off next week because I'm going on my trip. Oh, yeah, man. And guess what's next week? What's next week, CA? Your girl's turning another year, another trip around the sun. I was thinking about that. I was like, because if you were in town, we would literally, because Thursdays is usually when we record. I was like, oh, we would have been recording on my actual feed to the day. But that's okay. That is okay. Happy birthday. Yeah, man. Well. Almost. The next time we'll record, she'll be, she'll have aged. Yes. (laughs) I will have aged and then we will no longer be the same age. The window is oh, closing. God. I know we have like what three weeks. Yeah, we have like barely. It's any like time. it's like four weeks. Yeah, it's like a it's like a, about a month. Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, let's just chat about what we're talking. This one's a this one's a really intense one. This but is I'm gonna excited. be I'm this is gonna really... be interesting, guys. And uh, just hold on to your hats. Hold on to your seats because. Hold on this to is your hats. The one, hold on to your The one thing I'm going to say about this just from the start, right now, from the get-go, I want everybody to put on their, their both-and thinking caps, okay? Because this, I mean, we're the both-and podcast. We Nuance is our shtick, and we try to bring nuance into almost every single topic that we talk about. But, like, this one hinges upon your ability to be very open to the the validity of both sides of what we are going to be exploring. All right. So we're going to talk about relationships and we're going to talk about how love is not control and what it actually looks like and what does like balanced relationships look like without having a controlling mechanism like anchored into it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is interesting because when you hear control, a lot of people immediately think of like the toxic, like incredibly strict, like all of these rules and parameters. Like you think of the strict parents that are super controlling and like every single thing is, you know, microscopically analyzed. And it's interesting. I'm not going to, we're not going to spend a lot of time on the parent side, but I do think it's worth noting that when we talk about our conceptualization of what love is, Mm -hmm. If we do come from a parent that really has taught us that the way I loved you was by honestly dictating everything about who you are and what you get to do and where you get to go and what your life is going to be like, if that was modeled for us, Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, we can kind of rage against the machine and go the opposite way. But for some people, that's normal. Like, oh, yeah. Loving someone is controlling someone. Well, and I think that was- those defaults get okay. set so 
so deeply that even if you think you're raging against the machine and like you grow up and you're like, I'm going to be so different. Um, I think so much of this stuff sticks into our subconscious that like we are, we don't even realize how much of that stuff Mm. sunk in and became like default frameworks for how we think about things. And that is definitely a huge one, especially because what that did was it's not, it's not even so much that like surface level, like, oh, I loved you by controlling you. Sometimes your parents might have come right out and said something like that, but it was more like this long-term system that you spent time seeping yourself in that doled out love, comfort, and safety in equal measure to how compliant you were with this rule, that rule, this Mm. rule, that rule. And so that literally just became this like dynamic of the more compliant I am to the rules that are being set in place for me, the safer I am in this house, the more loved I am in this house, the more comfort and affection and warmth I receive in this house. The further away I get from that compliant like person, I like the further I, the less compliant I am, the less of those things, the fewer of those things I will be receiving. And so. Right. Yeah. I think it is important to touch on that because I think a lot of us get that. Yeah. If I reframe complicitness as the less or the more autonomy I have over this regulation, the more the relationship feels like it's getting destabilized. Yes. That is where this becomes a big problem with like intimate partnerships Mm -hmm. and the partnerships we have as adults is yes, this can happen in any relationship, but I think for the sake of today, we're probably going to focus more on the intimate partnership. We might even bring in some examples of like parent, child, adult, parent, child relationships, but like the idea of if love is secure and safe and familiar with staying within these realms, staying within the rules of whatever my parents give me. And then I realize that I would like to establish new ground rules, or I would like to have a little more autonomy, or I would like to have a little more freedom. And your parent says, okay, if you do that, though, you're thwarting my love. You're thwarting my authority. You're thwarting our relationship, right? And so now you feel as though it's all or nothing. You have to choose. You have to either choose to be complicit and be aligned with your parents, or you have to be honoring your autonomy and exploring your your own regulations, your own self-regulation, your own self-sovereignty, your own, what does it look like to create my own regulation in my own life? Like, what does it look to self-moderate? What does it look to self engage instead of having a rule over me? How do I create this moderation within myself, right? My parents can tell me, okay, if you're going to drink, just make sure you only drink one beer. But how does it look like to understand that anything past one beer actually kind of puts me in a place where I'm not like, what does it feel like to explore that own autonomy, right? And so I could sit there and forever just like follow whatever it is. But Mm -hmm. if I don't learn it myself, then I not only don't think of myself as my own authority, but then I realize that I'm threatening the stability of the relationship by going against their rules. Okay. So if we take it out of the family dynamic for a second and put it more into intimate partners, the reason why we started that way is because we like to tell people like there are certain core constructs that can be solidified 
especially in development and into your own autonomy development. So into your teen years, into your early adulthood that start getting formed as what CA was saying. Sometimes this just feels normal. Like, so when you go into an intimate partnership, it doesn't feel weird to have like very rigid, non-conversational hard lines in the sand. Like, don't ask me questions. This is just what I expect. This is where the nuance hat comes in, okay? Is because when we start forming intimate partnerships, what do we constantly tell people? You have to have standards. Mm. You have to know what you yes. want mm-hmm. in a partner, okay? So, but if you think about it, I'm gonna walk you through, I'm 19, 20 years old. And a lot of my standards have been formed from either other peer dynamics, media, or parental models of what those standards need to be. Okay, so if in my family, my dad has zero female friends, zero, I've never seen a female friend unless it was a sister or an aunt or a cousin that was visiting. Okay, no female friends. So my brain at 19 or 20 years old starts into this more serious relationship. And I, without question, without even asking how I like in theory would evaluate it, I immediately just say to my partner, to my boyfriend or girlfriend, I say, you're not allowed to have friends. If, if I'm dating a woman, you're not allowed to have other woman friends. If I'm dating a man, you're not allowed to have friends that are women. Like anyone that would be a threat. Right. To the person that you're attracted to, you're not allowed to have friends with the person you're attracted to. And God help like, you if you're bi. What, what gender? <laughs> what, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm like, oh, shoot. Okay. But no, but like. You get no you, friends. <laughs> let's say. Well, you know what? actually that's a whole another conversation because this is that that's a huge threatening dynamic but okay so if you think about yeah let's go like just for the sake of this argument like the heteronormative I have attraction to a specific whatever okay so whatever gender you're attracted to I don't want you to be friends with okay because it's so logical to me to create that standard it's like I saw that standard. That's how it was modeled for me. That's what I'm going to automatically do. So for the sake of this argument, just so I make sure I keep everything track, I'm just going to have it be a woman dating a man. And then the man is being told he can't have female friends. Okay. Just for the sake, I get those other constructs out there. Okay. So if that's the case and the dude is sitting there like, okay, that's reasonable. And imme- so, so the whole thing was just agreed upon without a lot of layers of conversation, okay? Could I look at you and say, well, you're trying to control him? I don't know if I could at first glance because someone's consenting to that and saying, I agree, I agree, I won't have female friends. Like they're consenting to it. It's a mutual understanding. Both parties <laughs> are sitting there like, this is reasonable, right? So if I look at that and say, is that controlling? I don't know if I could like say at first glance that that's controlling, but this is why this, this episode is very, it is evolving. It's, it's going to be constantly evolving because I'm going to set you up for that initial engagement where it looks innocent and it looks reasonable. And there honestly isn't probably that many red flags. It looks reasonable. Okay. Well, they now have been dating for like two years, three years, and the dude's starting to realize that like his relationships are maturing and he doesn't see women as just an object. He doesn't see women as someone to date. He sees them as like really amazing people that he could be friends with. And so he comes to his partner and, you know, they're they're still in just like, they're not in a marriage. They're just in a 
relationship or whatever, they look at each, you know, he looks at her and he goes, you know, I, I have this really close friend that I, that, that works alongside of me and I've never tried to get together with her. Like I've really respected what we previously agreed upon, but there's something about this dynamic that like, you know, I feel really close to her and um, I would like to, you know, hang out like as a group, I'd like to invite her over for dinner so you could meet her. I'd like to kind of share this friendship with us, like as a, as a partnership, you know, and it's, it's not sexual. It's very like, I would like, I would like to explore that part of me as like a friendship. Okay. So here's the problem because this person's evolving their idea of what it means to be in human connection with other people. There's so much about that when it's introduced that if it goes unexplored, it can be misunderstood. So I'm the woman and I say, so so have you felt this way for two years? Have you felt like I'm just like imprisoning you and saying you can't have friends with women because like you've wanted to be friends with her this whole time? Like you're meaning to tell me that like, like I've been the reason why, you know, and, and, and this is where it's like, we're, we're starting to lose the core concept of like, what is being discussed? Someone's telling their partner, I'm evolving. I'm adapting my new understanding of what it means to be in connection with other people. And honestly, if he wanted to be honest with himself, he could say, when I was early 20s, I did kind of look at girls. I never really looked at them as friends. I just looked at them as possibly someone to hook up with. Or eventually, if I was a friend, I'd kind of want to eventually kiss them. So as a 20 year old, it kind of made sense to me that you said that because I kind of did have that thinking with women and I didn't see them as like a long-term committed thing that I could be friends with. It's different to me because I've, I've evolved and I've changed. I understand that construct. So now this question becomes when the, when the girlfriend says, well, that's nice, but no. Now is she being controlling? Yeah, and I want you to tag in here because I think this is a good, this is tough, but I want you to tag in here because I want us to kind of volley a little. Yes. So, yeah, I think this is a really good example because what it's highlighting is a, a dynamic that I think a lot of us could explore more in in our own minds, like something we could all do well to approach with curiosity would be the concept of when you're in a relationship, you are an individual, they are an individual. And as you continue to develop as a person, parts of you may shift, parts of them may shift. And so can we expect the relationship that it was at the beginning? Can we expect your relationship to consistently forever look just like that forever moving forward? I think that's wildly unreasonable. And I think anybody who's being honest with themselves would agree because it doesn't make any sense that you would expect two individuals to have the same exact dynamic and standards and whatever you, you know, whatever, like from age 19 to 25 to 30 to 30, like, and that's, you know, say they, you know, got married and lived, you know, many, many years together. So like, I think that is really what we're getting at here is like, how do we explore shifting dynamics in a relationship while still honoring 
the valid perspectives, needs, Mm. asks, you know, of the other person. And the only way that we can really successfully explore shifting dynamics is if both people are willing to go deeper than surface level in understanding Mm -hmm. what is actually motivating them within these relationship dynamics. So if in this example that we're using, it sounds like the guy has done some pretty decent self-exploration and he has realized that, oh, I mean, like, I, I did autonomously agree to that that sort of parameter initially because I did sort of see women as potential partners or hookups or whatever. I have developed. I have educated myself. I have grown. I have matured. And I no longer view women that way. I just view them as people and Humans. human beings and they're really rad. Like I've, I've met some women that are extremely, you know, interesting to me. And I really like being friends with, I like to be friends with them. And that's why I'm bringing this concept to you, you know, to, to his girlfriend. Now, what that does is it kind of puts her in a position where if she hasn't done that self-exploration yet for herself, well, that's why she might have had that knee-jerk reaction of like, uh, okay, but no, like I'm still not comfortable with it. No, I don't want you hanging out with, with women. I just don't want you doing it, okay? And if she just stops right there and keeps it at that surface level, then I worry about their relationship. I worry about what's going to carry on happening from there. Because what would be the better approach in that moment would be for her to do some of that self-exploration work and say, okay, I'm hearing you. I might need some time to kind of think about this and explore what, where I'm at with it. I, I don't want to give a hard yes or a hard no right now. I really just kind of need to figure out where I'm at with this. And then for her to figure out why she had that parameter in the first place, right? And so this is going to take her all the way back, right? to what we were saying, where those defaults got set. And if she were to sit there and explore... Honestly, I never really like fully thought that through. I just thought that that's what you did because that's what I saw my parents do. That's what I saw my aunts and uncles. Like most of the relationships that were modeled for me were kind of like that. And I've never given myself time or space to think about this concept any deeper. Now I am going to think about it deeper. And who knows, you know, like. Our, our little imaginary couple, I hope you're doing well out there. I, I hope you did the work. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that she was able to explore that concept and, and think to herself, okay, well, maybe, maybe I'm the one that's, am I going to perpetuate that my boyfriend only ever sees women as potential romantic or sexual partners? by keeping this parameter in place? And will I be the one perpetuating like that mentality upon him? Or can I accept his maturity and his openness and honesty about this and the way that he has shifted his view about women? And can I accept that? And and can I explore and say, okay, yeah, let's shift the dynamic. Like that makes a lot of sense. You know, let's, let's see how it works. Bring her over. Let's, let's do this, you know? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and 
What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And this is this is what's so interesting, is that the reason why this is such a radical idea for people is because we're asking the the structure of this concept is is such a it's like a very intricate self-developmental skill which is like you allowing yourself to explore like when you have a knee-jerk reaction like no right if you were just like you were just saying if it isn't the end of the conversation it takes I'm just going to break this down what it would take. It's going to take a very radical self-honesty about why the no's there, okay? Because CA brought up a great point. It could actually be a default. Literally, once that person is like, oh, I actually didn't think about it. I don't care. Okay, there you go. Like that's, like there's like, actually, you don't have to do a ton of work. Like you're just like, I don't really, I actually didn't think about it. So yeah, no big deal. But if there's a visceral fear or... Or a cycle of like immediate, like, oh, oh my God, he's going to leave me, right? There's these like immediate fear, rejection narratives, abandonment narratives, whatever. That is an opportunity. That is an immense opportunity for your self-growth, which means when someone says, I'd like to, you know, bring my friend from work over, what you're doing, if you're attempting to explore this dynamic, is you're going to be sitting with this information and saying, what are the emotions? Because I don't, I don't want to insert them for whoever's doing this work. It might not be fear. It could be other things, right? So like, just for this example, I'm just going to say like abandonment or fear or whatever. But that takes so much skills to hold your pain and to honor the pain and to say, oh my God, yeah, I didn't realize that this parameter was like, helping me avoid the fear of rejection. It was like saying this is the safety hold. This is the thing that keeps them in line. And if that's not there, then they could abandon me. And in reality, this is why these create opportunities for not just personal growth, but radical development for the mutual growth of the relationship. Because if I looked at my partner and I was able to be very honest with myself and it was a fear and a rejection and abandonment, I could look at them and say, Let's have a conversation about this for a second. When I heard you say that, I immediately got scared. I immediately linked that this was you wanting to leave me. I realized that this was like a fake construct that I put on to try to keep you in line. And I also realized that it's me struggling with the trust that you do have this maturity and this skill set to not just immediately run away from the relationship because you're talking to a female coworker, right? And this is where now what you're doing is you're creating a room, you're creating a space for that authenticity to flourish. Both parties, you're literally creating the space in your emotional home to pamper, nourish that authenticity. So this is where these opportunities actually come up. And I would give you an example of, I know we're doing the example of like the friend, but like it's actually a lot of different parameters. Like someone wants to go on a guy's trip or a girl's trip or whatever, a trip, okay? 
what is going on for you? Because you might want to be like, no, right? But if you realize, oh, that's, uh, you know, I have my mom down the road. I could hang out for a couple of days. It's fine. I actually don't care if he goes. If your immediate reaction is no, it's not that you have to constantly reject like your own immediate reaction, but you just have to explore your reaction. That's it. You just have to explore it because your no could genuinely be like, um, our three-year-old got sick. She's in recovery. It's a bad idea. It has nothing to do with your emotional wounds. It has everything to do with the practicality of the situation. Johnny has a doctor's appointment tomorrow. It's not going to happen, right? This is just a practicality thing. It's not about control. It's about a practicality thing. And when both parties can understand, it's actually not about me trying to have this like visceral reaction or old wounds resurface. It's about the practicality of the matter means you can't go. Like it just doesn't make sense, right? Versus you saying no and the partner being like, I'm just curious, like what, what, I didn't think we had anything going. Like what, what's the main hang up? And they say classic, think of the parent child dynamic because I said so. That's somebody that has what's not nice? explored <laughs> their reasoning. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I think about you, CA. CA, I don't think you remember this, but this is a great parent child dynamic. CA one time told me, and this isn't like, this is, this is all, you know, this is all like neutral stuff. But basically we were talking about when we say no to our kids and she had the best story. She was like, I think it was an example of like a kid coming up to her asking for gummies or something. It was like two o'clock in the afternoon or something. And CA, you were on the phone with me or something. And you were like, yeah, one of the things I started doing was I asked myself why I was saying no. Because I used to, in the beginning of my parenting, and you do you remember telling me this? Because you were like, in the beginning of my parenting, I would literally just say no. Like we bought gummies to be eaten and my kids want to eat those gummies at two o'clock. It's not like seven o'clock in the morning and nine o'clock at night. It's a pretty decent time to eat a gummy. And I just would immediately say no. And I remember hearing that and I was like, wow, this is such a great concept to really sit with because you were one of the pivotal roles of me doing this in my parenting is me trying to understand why I would even say no. Exactly. Because if it's a gummy and it's a snack time and I bought them and they want it and there's no reason for them to not have it, why am I saying no? And this is why this construct translates over to intimate partnerships because we can get in old narratives. We can have old narratives talk to us. Oh, well, that was just what my parents did, or that's what my peers did, or my sister did that with her boyfriend. So no, my sister never lets anyone go on trips, so I'm not going to, right? And it's like, okay, but like, if we don't do the layered work of like, what's going on emotionally underneath that no, that's a harder truth to sit with. Because if I realize I'm just trying to um, omit authority, uh, what? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm going to take this a step further too and say that this exploration, this curiosity about like why I'm giving an answer the way that I'm giving an answer, why I think I should put a parameter into place. I want to take it a step further as well and encourage all of us (laughs) to be like when you just brought up the gummy thing, that's what made me realize we also need to be curious about our own asks and requests of our partners as well. So it works both ways. So if 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 your partner is, you know, asking you something and you're like, "No, yes, explore that." Also, if you are the partner asking for something, 
a, a, a particular need or a want or a, whatever, I would encourage you to also be exploring the why behind that ask mm. as well. Because sometimes we might have what we feel is like a need that this partner is supposed to be providing for us. And if we haven't explored the deeper like why behind that, that can come off as a variety of different things. So it depends on what the ask is, right? And so sometimes it can come off very reasonable and the partner agrees to it and you're in this dynamic for a long time and you never explored why it was you were asking your partner to provide that for you. And then something shifts in the relationship and all of a sudden you realize that that ask was not really rooted in like something that was about the relationship itself. It was meeting some other like need of yours somewhere else. But again, this is what happens in relationships is when you have a variety of different constructs or parameters in place, they almost become like a scaffolding, like a crutch for you to not develop certain muscles, right? Within yourself, certain self-development skills within yourself. And I am saying all of this with full radical acceptance and compassion for all these past versions of ourselves that did these things, right? So I'm I'm the first one to admit that like I absolutely had defaults that were unexplored. Oh, I, I absolutely had yeah. asks of my partner that were not his place to be filling that need for me. You know, like I've been there Done that still being there doing that, like working through all of these dynamics daily because we are shifting, evolving human beings going all the way back to the very first thing I said when I started talking on this episode was like, we need to really be open to understanding that we are evolving as we evolve, mature, shift, grow, learn. The dynamics within our relationships are going to do that as well. And the way to navigate that safely is being super honest and curious about yourself, being brave about your self-development. Okay, I was always asking my partner to provide, you know, a a certain amount of, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like uh, an example off the top of my head. Of course, it's not working. Like, I don't know, it's, it's their job to do all the menu planning and all the cooking, right? And because of that, I completely like never developed my own autonomy over what type of food I like, what, Mm. you know, time I like to eat, uh, cooking skills, all of these things. I literally like, like robbed myself of the ability to explore that within myself because I just leaned on my partner and made that their responsibility. Like it was their responsibility to feed me and be in charge of my nutrition. And so If you think about that, and then we start to do that with like emotional things like, oh, they're responsible for feeding this emotional need of mine. Are they? Is that I would like you to explore? I'm just throwing this out there, guys. Like think about the things that we say like, oh, it's my partner's job to do this, that or the other thing for me. And this is where the nuance is going to come in. This is where I need you guys to keep those keep those both and hats on because sometimes the need or the ask is as you explore it, it is just very valid in you that like, no, this is really like, it's not coming from a wounded place. It's not coming from, you know, a controlling place. This is just something that I like 
love to receive from my partner. Like I love getting compliments. I love when they like, just like gas me up and like make me feel like I'm hot, you know, like I really just love that. And that's awesome and valid. And so if you explore that and you realize like I'm asking my partner to give me compliments because of I just what I like, it's just literally, I love getting compliments from my romantic partner. That's awesome. And that's valid. Sometimes you might explore that and realize that the reason you were asking for compliments from your partner every day or a certain amount of them per week or whatever is because you have an underdeveloped sense of self-love and you're relying on this external source to feed and fill up your self-love bucket, but that's supposed to be being filled up by you. And so they're pouring out this like, I'm going to call it like the flavor, right? They're pouring partner flavored water into you and you're putting it into your self-love bucket. And then when you go and look in your partner bucket, it's empty and you're like, well, why don't, why isn't this full? And then the partner's like, I don't know. I give you partner flavored love all day long. But if you're like siphoning that into the self-love bucket instead of the partner bucket, well, then that's, that's why you might get years down the road into some of these dynamics and see how something might need to shift. And you go, oh, okay, so I never really explored why I was asking for compliments every day mm. from my partner. And it was because like little me was feeling vulnerable and ugly and I needed an external source to validate me. But if I had been developing that and providing that for myself, then when they were giving me compliments, I would be receiving it from like a totally different lens. And like, it would feel very like intimate in the relationship rather than like, oh no, I'm using this dynamic to fulfill some other need. That's my responsibility to fill. Right. And it speaks to a lot of that like tie between are we asking, like, this is a little sneak preview for the book, but that's like literally in my book that, you know, will come out next year. But basically, uh, there's a line in my book that says therapy, or sorry, I'm butchering, <laughs> I'm butchering my own thoughts. Relationships, relationships have been filling the therapy gap for eons. Like it's literally been I need to work on myself. So I'm going to find a way to fulfill that need in another person. So I need to like get better self-esteem. So I just need a partner that like constantly fills my self-esteem and like adores me and says I'm beautiful every single day and like just adores me. And I, you know, but in reality, what we're saying here, and this is the nuance is that that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to have a partner that like fulfills like almost like a like a, like a, I don't really want to use love language, but almost like a, (laughs) a way that you receive love, a way that you really resonate with love being received. Okay. But at the same time, what CA is saying is it's incredibly important for you to not misunderstand that there's two things simultaneously going on. There is a deep connection, respect, love, honor, esteem that needs to be established within ourselves. And the beauty of what's called interdependence is there's an also 
co-occurring need of a relational aspect of all of those elements. That is a beautiful thing that gets nourished. So CA very like visually gave you guys that example of like when that is a co-occurring need that's only being filled by the other party, then what happens is you neglect that responsibility. You don't see it as your responsibility to start building your self-esteem, to build your own worth, to build your own confidence, right? Like it's only the other person's responsibility. And this is where the love is not control. I don't get to tell my partner, you have to be my self-esteem. You have to be the, you are the only reason I feel confident. You are the only reason I feel worthy. You are the only reason I feel valuable. Because if that's it, that's not interdependence. That's complete enmeshment. That's sheer, like the codependent relating. So like, it is very important for us to have these conversations because I hear it all the time. I tell people, I've worked with people that I've, I've laid this out with them. I say like, hey, you're allowed to have an expectation. It's actually completely healthy to look at your partner and say, I've learned that there's an aspect of my personality that really resonates when you notice what I'm wearing and you say, wow, that like outfit looks really beautiful on you. Or you notice something about my hair. So I really do value that. And I have told you that. Like, I want you to know that that's an important aspect of it. And... The thing about it is if a part, especially in long-term relationships, typically this happens in long-term relationships where you can catch this stuff. Right. But in a long-term relationship, the partner might be like, it's never enough. It's never enough. I've done that for 10 years. And then it's like a broken cycle. Like it, it's never enough. I've done this exact relational building foundational aspect of what you want. And it's never enough. And so where that comes in is when someone's saying, if you don't show up with enough compliments, with enough of this, with enough of that, we aren't going to work. What they're really saying is, I need you to fill a part of me that I haven't fulfilled in myself, and I'm not willing to do that work. And so until I find someone that's willing to sacrifice every living, aching moment of their life to fulfill those parts of me that are empty... I can't be in a relationship with you. And it's like, that's where this becomes very intertwined with your own mm-hmm. healing. Your yeah. own healing is part of this. And that's why I want to be really sensitive about this. And and that's why or even earlier, I was kind of like, you know, I, I want you guys to know that like, if this is you, if you are resonating with this part of the podcast and you're like, oh, I think I have done that or I think I'm doing that in my relationship, like... Mm-hmm. This is not, we don't bring these concepts up to make you feel bad, wrong, or ashamed. We bring these concepts up because we're all about curiosity and self-exploration. If this is the first time you're hearing about this, you know, inner dynamic within yourself and you haven't even thought to explore it before, there's nothing wrong, bad, or shameful about that. And I, I don't want anybody feeling like, oh my gosh, I've been a terrible partner because I've been doing this to my partner unknowingly. So much of this is unknowing and subconscious. Mm -hmm. And so if you find yourself on this end of the dynamic and you're like, oh, geez, I think I've been relying on my partner for something that is not their responsibility. And this is the first time you're realizing that. Please give self-compassion and acceptance and love to this version of yourself because 
this is totally, totally normal within the range of human experience is that you're going to be showing up to life with subconscious defaults that you might not know how or why they're there. And that's okay. Like, we're not sitting here being like, you're bad if you've done this. Like, no, because I think to some degree, if we're being honest, we've probably all done this, you know, to to varying degrees and levels. And so the whole thing about this episode is it's about being in tune with and getting in tune with. And if you're in a relationship, encouraging your partner to get in tune with the deeper motivations behind the dynamics that the two of you are developing or have mm-hmm. developed. And this takes both people. This is this is the thing. It really does take both people to be in that mindset of like, oh yeah, let's get curious about that. Why is that our dynamic? You think about your defaults, I'll think about mine. Let's have a conversation where we explore this together. Um that it takes it, it takes two people that are willing to be honest and curious and brave. Right. I think that when we think about what could be some takeaways is the idea of, because I know we've been talking a lot about the mutual dynamic here. Sadly, nine times out of 10, it's not mutual in the beginning. It can be, can eventually get to be that way, but it might not always be mutual in the beginning. So for example, trying to come up with strategies where if you are in a relationship where you're finding yourself evolving, like let's say you're the dude that wants to introduce the idea of like having friends of the gender, that's whatever, you know, there's a lot to be said about trying to navigate conversations like this, where it would say like, Hey, laying out the previous framework, obviously I'm aware that this was something that we agreed upon and explaining your explaining how you're changing, how you're evolving, how you're maturing, and then allowing yourself to be brave and, and ask like when someone immediately tries to respond, if your partner immediately is like, yeah, I know we talked about that, but no, one of the things that you're not responsible for that person's processing like they don't have to process and there's no way you can force them to process the deeper reason behind the no but you're allowed to ask why you're allowed to say I'm just curious where the resistance of this is coming from and this is this is one of the hardest parts about relational healing is that you can ask why but you can't force someone to be authentic with their answer so they can come up with an answer and they can say it's just how I feel or a not that's a non-answer, by the way. <laughs> like I just it is what it is. It's because I said so. It's because how I feel. Like that's that's a non-answer. But if they literally are saying something like it's going to cause too much disruption in our relationship, and I won't feel safe anymore, that's a really really helpful thing for you to sit with because it's they're telling you they truly aren't in a place to see your evolution as like super, like it's not safe to evolve. And this is, I I know we didn't touch on it that much this episode, but like, this is where that not being like resolved can turn into almost like this choice that people feel like they have to have. They feel like, okay, I either remain kind of like we were talking about the parent and child. I either remain in this relationship and ignore parts of me that really 
were trying to evolve and I was trying to understand people in a new and I was trying to practice like new, you know, understandings of relationships. You, it's like, it sometimes feels like I have to choose because the partner is not in a place to do the work. Right. And so this is a personal thing that we do need to kind of like sit with for a second, which is when it looks like that, you have to take into account a couple of things. Like, is this person having an open dialogue? Are they shutting it down? Are they attempting to process, but they're not there yet? They might be healing in a different stage than you are. They might be listening, but they're not fully there. So this is where we talk about that discernment skill for you guys of trying to tune into what's going on. If this is complete immediate shutdown, and I'm not talking about just in the event, I'm talking about this has been a few months and there's, nope, we're not talking about it. Shut down, shut down, shut down, right? That that could be enough of a pattern for you to make a decision. If it's, I want to talk about it, I just don't know how yet, or I want to understand, I just, like, I don't have the skills. See, all of those things are helpful for you to understand how to move forward with respecting your own healing. Because the hardest part for me as someone who does a lot of the relational trauma work is that when I find someone who's attempting to grow and they're in an environment that literally stifles that growth, which means they're attempting to evolve and the entire environment says, you aren't allowed to do that. So like, that's why this is so complex because at that point, kind of like what C was saying, what is, does that look like control? It can look like control, right? It can look like the environment's like, no, you're not allowed to grow. You're not allowed to evolve. And then I got to remind you, and this is where it's, it's the hardest call, is that in some relationships, you have to choose your own evolution. You have to say, okay, well, it's been a year and I've waited for a year. And every single time I asked you to try to explore this new part of our relationship. And it's, it's very clear that this isn't going to go anywhere what is the decision? Because when you say, I'm just being controlled at that point, I would want to remind you that at that point, your own ability to take your life back in your own hands means you have to probably leave that dynamic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think to, to sort of wrap it up, what the, what the main thesis coming out of this (laughs) is that you can't, control your partner's processing or how deep they're willing to go within themselves, but you can control that within yourself. And there's tons of nuance there and there's tons of, you know, grace period of like, okay, I understand not everybody heals at the same rate, but the way to explore is this something that's evolving or is this just never going to change comes down to breaking this down into a million small little conversations rather than these one or two huge conversations where you let things build and bottle and build and bottle. And then it all comes flying out. That to me doesn't provide the same amount like the same level of opportunity for the relationship to get on the same page the way that you create that space for the relationship to get on the same page even if the two and right you've got the individual silos you've got the relationship silo in the middle even if the two individuals are at different rates and paces of the way that they're moving forward 
that middle silo, that shared space of the relationship can still be on a forward moving trajectory, Mm -hmm. even if these other two people are moving at slightly different rates. This can still be moving forward. And the only way to really know that is if you're having those regular check-ins and you are being radically honest and direct about the way that you communicate. And so we can, that's a whole other episode is is talking about like direct communication versus aggression (laughs) and passive aggression and all of that. Um, But yeah, so I think that's- No, but I love that. I think that's, yeah, that's a really good way to put it is that it takes a very slow trickled constant communication to keep this development to keep evolving. Because remember, we're actually using the analogy of evolution it did not happen in like two, I mean, yeah, I guess you could, you could at me on that. But like, these are slow developments, slow changes that slowly ended up turning into a huge shift. But that's why we almost have to create those skills in the everyday life. The everyday life is like, hey, instead of bypassing or pushing this under the rug, you know, like, it seems like you had an off day, like what's going on? Or like those small communications that tune into the authenticity help you have these bigger moments as shifts it gives you the foundation you need to have those bigger conversations so absolutely i love that uh we do have to go but thank you for listening and happy birthday to see yay thanks (laughs) and we will see you we'll see you next time okay Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or our individual Instagrams at recollected self and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our coffee fiend club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work